the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning and welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Anything you want to talk about today, we can talk about Wall Street for sure. There's plenty, plenty of uh, drama. Sister T once said, save the drama for your mama, but no, no, the drama's too good today. We're not going to skip this. Family Dollar showing some pain. They're under pressure. Ford raises their quarterly dividend by 25%. That's awesome. Um, Google in San Francisco is now starting to use shuttles. Ferries. From San Francisco to Silicon Valley. Give me a second to figure out what was going on there. It's the love boat. Series of data points are indicating the economy continues to gather some steam. Google gets into a little bit of trouble because their employees are young, smart, well-paid. Young, smart, well-paid equals sexy. Who wants to ride a bus from San Francisco to Silicon Valley when you can get on the love boat and ferry your workers to and fro? Grab a bottle of wine. Start shadow that young engineer next to you. Hi, Barbara. Whoops, don't say that. Move on to the next one. Hi, would you like a glass of wine? Sure, sit next to me. Next thing you know, they're making babies and walking down the aisle. Helping the economy. So I think the point there is Google's pretty smart. There's been a lot of flack recently. A lot of flack in the Bay Area about buses shuttling young people, driving up rents. Now, this isn't going to stop the rents from being driven up, but it's going to visibly take the people that are driving up the rents and hide them on boats. I know you're saying, that's a weird concept. I know, but weird concepts typically when don't know if you're with me or against me. you got to pick a side. Earnings season kicks off today. There's a slightly upbeat mood on Wall Street. That's pretty understandable, as two-thirds of companies have beat analyst expectations virtually every quarter. Analysts will lower expectations. Companies will lower expectations. And next thing you know, they're beating expectations, which is kind of part of the game. Don't know if you're following that or not, but that's kind of the way it plays out. Bed Bath & Beyond shares tanked today. And Bed Bath & Beyond, let's say, I need a throw pillow. I know you're saying you've got me, Rob. Please, finish the throw pillow angle. Yes, so Rob needs a throw pillow. What are throw pillows for? Well, you put them on a bed and then you throw them on the floor. Why do you throw them on the floor? Because they look good on the bed. Why do you put them back on the bed after you throw them on the floor? That's a really good question. 
So throw pillows. If I need a throw pillow, I'm going to go into Bed Bath & Beyond. For some reason, it's against my nature to buy throw pillows at Amazon.com. Maybe I just don't want that digital fingerprint following me forever and ever. Maybe I'm embarrassed. But something's wrong with retail. Macy's had a great quarter. Sears, JCPenney's not so much. Bed Bath & Beyond struggling. Starbucks said earlier this week, I know you're saying a cup of coffee said something. <laughs> CEO Howard Schultz of Starbucks said mall traffic's down. Oh, my. So you're starting to do some of the math there. Uh, retails inside of malls, not the place to be investing. Now, I don't care if you've got hair made out of gold. If you're in a mall, no one's going to see it these days, or fewer people are going to see it. I know you're saying, hair made out of gold? What is that even in a reference to? It doesn't make any sense. Okay, I'm sorry. It doesn't make any sense. Mall traffic ain't the right place right now. Jobless claims fell today as the labor market is firming. The number of Americans filing new claims for unemployment last week fell slightly more than expected, pointing to an economy that's continuing to gain steam. Initial claims for state unemployment benefits declined 15,000 to a seasonally adjusted 330,000. That's nice. Employers announced 30,623 layoffs last month, though. The initial claim's good. That's good. You did well, my son. Good, good, good. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense to you. So, Friday, we're going to get first-time unemployment. Not, no, Friday we're jobs report. I don't think I've had a stroke, but something's terribly wrong with me today. Something's terribly wrong with me. So, Friday we're going to get jobs numbers. Next week we're going to get earnings. Earnings from pretty big boys. Uh, today we're going to get Alcoa, and Alcoa is great. There's a CEO of, of Alcoa named Klaus Kleinfeld, which sounds like a bad guy from... Uh, you know, a Dirty Harry film, or a, let's see, something a little bit more relevant. Uh, a Die Hard 6, Die Hard 7, Die Hardest, Die Harder Than Dead. Um, Klaus Kleinfeld. You killed my brother. Um, so he's German, and Germans are always good bad guys. I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe it has to do with that whole World War II thing. I don't know why. I don't know why. But Alcoa is going to report numbers later today. Um, I think we're at a tipping point for the positive. And I know that sounds optimistic and Pollyanna-ish, but I think if you look at the economy with the improving jobs, if you look at Europe having gone through some of their pain, and you look at China and Asia as having one exceptional growth and one really, really cheap money, I think we're at a tipping point for the positive. Now, next week we get something that could... Mute a little enthusiasm. I will call it curbing the enthusiasm. Uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, all going to post the results next week, of which those are big banks. Uh, recently, we've seen some downgrades of regional banks, and they've moved higher. Recently, we've seen some downgrades of industrials, and they've moved sideways. I saw a YouTube video of a skier who flipped 13 times, and he survives. I happen to be that kind of guy when I go skiing 
that I move down the mountain so slowly that I have no risk of death, except for the fact... I'm not moving down slowly because I'm a bad skier. I move... Well, no, I'm not moving down because I'm trying to be safe. I move down because I just don't get it. So, one time, a ranger shot at me. I was moving so slowly that I had to be a bear. That's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. Not a good thing. Chad Burton, snowboard extraordinaire. Me, not so much. Uh, when it comes to extraordinaire, it's, it's tied to something else. and I'm not allowed to talk about that on radio because there's a, a legal issue tied towards that. Ah, yeah. Okay, so anything you want to talk about today, we can talk about family dollar, that pain. Uh, that's a tough one to put a finger on. We had thought that, yeah, Walmart seems wrong, Target seems wrong, let's go cheaper than them. Family Dollar seems right. Now, Family Dollar is one of those companies that everyone thinks there's going to be consolidation, and Dollar General is going to do the consolidating. But this is a bad quarter for them. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. A little later in the show, we're going to be talking to Apple with an analyst from thestreet.com. We'll take a break here. I'll be right back. Rob Black, get your money. AM 1220, KDOW traffic. That's a Bloomberg Market Minute. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. What an interesting set of statistics out there. Who do you think is selling more? The NHL or the NBA? Revenues confirm it. Ratings confirm it. Buzz about successful teams confirms it. The National Ex- Basketball Association experience over the last five years is correctly termed as enthusiasm gap. But the NHL's caught up as far as attendance goes. Um, Detroit averages you know twenty three thousand seven hundred eighty people a game. The Bulls twenty one thousand six hundred eighty two at the highest level. So if you take the top five teams from the NHL and the top five from the NBA, all five are higher in the NHL. Um, so the buzz is there. I don't know. Um, I wouldn't have thought that. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Apple and Samsung CEOs have agreed to mediation in the U.S. patent fight. That's kind of nice. It's called the demon known versus the demon unknown. And what that implies or what that means uh, is you stop kind of like guessing if someone's going to get a you know, shutdown and not be able to deliver goods. You stop sort of guessing if it's going to be a $10 billion payout or a $1 billion profit or a loss. Demon known versus demon unknown. Wall Street likes the demon known. S&P 500's up fractions. The Dow's down 15. The Nasdaq down 3. 
Welcome in, CFP, Chad Burton, NewFocusFinancial.com. One of the things that intimidates people about money is there's a lot of things that just doesn't you know, translate to RABCs, like ESPPs and RSUs. What is an ESPP? Why do we care? What is an RSU? Why do we care? It reminds me, I was up on the mountain, um, you know, back in, I don't know, February or something like that, and somebody had to stop skiing and pull over on their cell phone and exercise some of their Wells Fargo options because they were expiring that day. Awesome. And they were sitting on the mountain and got an email saying, your options are about to expire. And it was about a $6,000 value, net of taxes, that they almost lost because they let their options expire. So a lot of people that work for companies that have, you know, they get the 401k match, great. But then you get the options that have expirations dates, incentive stock options that have different tax strategies. But let's talk about employee stock purchase plans and and RSUs, which is the most common. So an employee stock purchase plan, when you're working for a company, you get two periods a year where you can buy your own company stock at a discount. Okay. But they have different tax strategies, too. And, and what I can't understand is why people don't, you know, they, they get too overweighted in an old company stodgy stock. Because they're always doing the SPPs, which I like, because you get the discount. Okay. But What's the di- discount typically? 10? Typically 10 to 15%. Okay. And so, but if you want to have most of your gain on the stock qualify for capital gains, you usually have to hold them for at least two years after the offering date. Okay. okay. Um, so what I tell people is once you've bought them two years later, you know, look, if you're, if you're already own, if 5% of your portfolio and you're in your fifties is in your company stock, you need to, as they become two years old, sell them and reinvest them. Right. And remember if you're way overweight in your company, you're, you're stock, talking really fast. Okay. Two year. If once the stock becomes two years old, okay. like you've bought it, you've held it for over two years and you're in your 50s and you own over 5% of your overall portfolios and the company stock that you work for, you need to start trimming those ESPP okay, shares. Right. Okay. But you want to make sure they're over two years old to qualify for the overall capital gains rates. There's, there's really an 18-month rule and all this other stuff that I'm not going to get into on radio. But the discount and how that's taxed and then the, the capital gain and how that's taxed, just hold it for two years. Okay. Start diversifying. Every year you should look at your stock options and if the market has fallen and you've got ESPP shares at a loss you're probably going to want to sell them to take the loss and offset other gains in the future. Okay? Okay. Um, so what selling... What you need to note about that is I think a lot of people accumulate a lot of wealth like through AT&T. Mm-hmm. They worked there. They got the company shares. They became millionaires. And it's almost ingrained in our society not to diversify. Yeah. But then WorldCom and Enron come along. You know, WorldCom bought a couple baby bells, and they implode. Yeah. Next thing you know. So it's, it's ingrained in us, but it's not necessarily trained properly. Yeah. So it's... You know, I can see if you're younger and you're working for a, a company that's aggressively growing and they're, they're you know, really doing well in the stock market, while you end up being, you know, 10% of your portfolios in the company stock. It can make sense when you're younger. You can't afford that type of risk when you're close to retirement. So you have to diversify. Um, you also don't want to overpay your taxes because you get that company discount, Rob, that's going to be taxes, ordinary income when you sell. Oh. And sometimes killer. people are paying taxes on that discount twice, once when you know they get taxed on it. Long story short, there's a form called a 3922. So if you have employee stock purchase program, you got to know your form 3922 so you don't end up paying taxes twice on that discount. Would you say that most purchase. people who use ESPP should probably use a CPA? Yeah. Okay. I think, you know, I know the tax code really well, and I still use a CPA to prepare my tax return because if I'm audited, if I'm audited, I know I'm not going to do well sitting in the room with, with the IRS if a certain point comes up, you know, because 
I can't stand our current tax code. They know how to discuss the issue with the IRS. I would just get angry. <laughs> I still badly want you on Jeopardy and the, the, the heading comes up tax code. <laughs> because you're like, I know tax code. <laughs> Form 3522. Yeah. Okay. 30, um, 3922. 3922. Trust me. I don't know the tax code. I don't pretend to know the tax code. You're a nerd. I'm not. <laughs> Let's just say this. Playboy model. What happened in my life, not yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what else do we need to do? RSUs, did we t- hit that? Do we need to hit that? Well, RSUs is one of those things, too, when you already own a bunch of your company stock. RSUs, restricted share units, restricted stock units, you're granted a bunch of units, and as they vest, they become taxable based on the value of the stock that day. There is absolutely no tax reason to continue to hold those after that point. So if you are, if, you know, unless you think your company is just going to go through the roof and you own less than 10% of your portfolio in that company, as those RSUs come due, they're taxed. They're already taxed. So sell them and reinvest them in a diversified portfolio. Uh, and that's one thing that people just fail to do. They continue to hold and hold and hold. And uh, you need to do a good job tracking your cost basis on those as well. Okay. Anything else that we need to know? Or should we wrap it up here? Um, again, it's you know if you're getting close to retirement, having more than five to ten percent of your company, your portfolio and your own company stock is just too much risk. And again, a lot of people don't want to hear that because they feel comfortable where they are and they feel like they're not being loyal if they do sell their own company shares. Don't feel that way. You're listening to CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And Chad and I will be doing an income seminar for alternatives to bonds and retirement, which is interesting because when interest rates are incredibly low, bonds aren't attractive. But interest rates, we now know a story of 2014-2015, have been moving slowly higher at the tail end of 2013. Where do they go in 2014-15? You want to have a multi-tier approach to income and retirement and not just bet on one asset class? For more information about that in Palo Alto next Thursday, one week from today, go to robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Coming up, I'm going to be speaking to a legendary financial writer, Rocco Pandola, columnist for thestreet.com. Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Little hipster music. Pull in Rocco Pandola, communist for the street.com. I refer to you, Rocco, as a legendary communist. When your PR person at the street asked if I wanted to, I was like, absolutely. You get all the props in the world, just so you know. Well, I appreciate that. That's very nice of you. Um, I see a lot of you. I read a lot of you. Um, one of the stories she was pitching that you might be able to talk about is stories on Apple, and that's always favored in the Bay Area because Apple, Google, Facebook kind of rules our roadways as well as our um, you know investments. Uh, what are you working on right now with the Apple? Uh, well, in, you know, I kind of just consistently. Um, write about Apple and, and sort of think about, you know, the current state and what might uh, 
what might lie ahead. It is crazy, though, how you mentioned that, um, I mean, it's, these companies have taken over the Bay Area. I thought it was bad when I lived there. You know, I was there from 99 to 2006, living in San Francisco, living in the Mission, and, um, you know, rents were going up in the Mission like crazy. Um, you know, it was it was becoming controversial then, but it sounds like it's blown up times 10 uh, compared to what it was, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. Um, I guess, you know, maybe some people are hoping for a crash again, but uh, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're talking about Apple. Um, sure. I, I think, you know, I've been critical of Apple, and I think there's room to be critical of Apple, or at least room to be concerned, right? Like, what are they going to do in the future? Um, the big thing that's been holding the stock back, in my opinion, is that there's a lack of investor confidence in, in Tim Cook. Um, if you look at Amazon, it is able to fly and keep flying because people look at Bezos and they say, you know what, we believe in this guy. We have confidence that the, his, his strategy is, is intact and he's proven, you know, historically that, that, that you know, we're, we're going to go after the long term and, and we're going to spend a lot of money to do it and, and don't worry, everything's going to be fine. So they did that stock up. And I think if Steve Jobs were still around, if there were never any health overhangs, we might see a very similar situation with Apple. Because the present state of the company is so darn good that nobody touches them. I mean, how can you even talk about competition with respect to Apple's business or with respect to uh, the way consumers view it? You know, there is no competition. But there is the question of, of Tim Cook being able to replicate the magic. So that's sort of the broad um, area that I've been kind of viewing Apple from. So, Rocco, let's separate Apple stock from Apple product. There seems to be nothing really wrong with Apple product other than they don't have a magical unicorn watch or they don't have the TV set. Um, everything else seems to be selling really well, whether it's the app stores, whether it's the phones, whether it's the pods. Uh, right. What are your thoughts on the product of Apple? Fantastic. And the thing that has actually turned me around on Cook, and I'm, I'm a lot more confident in him, and I believe he can produce, you know, we all say the next big thing. I think he, he's capable of, 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 of overseeing that process of, of marketing, of executing, of getting, getting whatever it is, whatever it's going to be out there. And he proved that to me with iPad Air. Um, a lot of people are just kind of discounting this as just, you know, a, a, a slightly smaller and lighter uh, tablet than what came before it. If you've used one, and it doesn't take long, all you got to do is walk down the street to the Apple store and play with one in there for 10, 15 minutes, and you'll realize this is a whole new experience for a tablet. It's a fantastic product. They really took their time with this and reimagined it and said, you know what, this is what the tablet experience should be. And, um, and, and I... I, I when I started playing with that product and I bought one and, and I've been using it almost every day, I said to myself, you know what, these guys still have it. And whatever they're working on, they're working on their own timeline, which is unlike everybody else. Right? Everyone's got to come out with wearable technology now. Apple's the only one that hasn't done that. Because if indeed they are working on wearable technology, they're, doing, they're going to dictate the pace of what that's going to look like. Um, they're not going to react and try to get something out there as quickly as, as, as they can because, you know, the tech pundits are predicting that's going to be the next hot thing. Apple's going to do what Apple's going to do, and they're going to take their time. They're going to be patient. And when they finally put something out there, it's going to be the best in breed, and it's going to dominate. Let me show you how much I believe that statement. Um, we know that they've hired the CEO of Burberry. We know that they've pulled in the high executive from Yves Saint Laurent. I need a fitness 
watch tracker thing. And I kind of want to wait for apples. Like, I don't want to blow my 150 right now only to spend 500 600 on an Apple one. I know the Apple one will be better. I know the Apple one is going to be well-designed. I know it will be a fashion statement. Um, what do you think about Apple hiring a Burberry executive and an Yves Saint Laurent executive versus a tech head? I think it's fantastic, and I've written a lot about that, too. I think the, the one thing that concerns me, clearly they brought her in. I think job one is to really make the international push. You know, there's a lot of money in, in a lot of these countries where Burberry is really big, right? And if you ever walk around Manhattan, and I think the same thing in, in, in San Francisco around, uh, around Union Square and stuff, you see a lot of these tourists that come into town, and they're carrying, you know, Burberry bags and, and so forth. I mean, they've got a lot of cash to spend. They spend it here when they come visit, and they spend it over in their own country. So I think that's an obvious thing. The thing that I hope they do with her, and if they don't, it's kind of, I'm kind of bewildered as to, you know, there are no other reasons why you hired her, is get the products out of Walmart, get the products out of Target, get them out of these slummy third world retailers. Enough of this marketing strategy, this retail strategy, where you're, you're, you know, letting Walmart discount prices and give away iPhones and everything else. That's what they need to work on. They need to, to kind of bring back this, this brand as being aspirational, as being high-end, as being something that is just a couple of steps above what everybody else has. And when you're slumming with your products in a place like Walmart or even Target or even Best Buy, I don't think, that, um, I don't think you're, you're, you're going a long way to helping the image. I think you are very slowly degrading it, especially when you give these other um, retailers so much control over, over uh, being able to discount prices and do promotions and so forth. I like to see them reorganize that strategy. Pull your stuff out of there. I can't imagine you're going to take that much of a hit. The people aren't just going to go online to buy your product or, or find an Apple store if they live near one. And then partner with some higher-end brands. I'd rather see iPads for sale in a Bose store. I'd rather see iPads for sale in a Tesla store, right? I mean, you're not going to go in there and buy the electric car because it's too expensive, but you might buy a Tesla T-shirt or a coffee mug, and who knows, if there's an iPad mini sitting there, you might pick one up as well. I mean, that, to me, is the type of retail strategy Apple should embark on over the next, you know, three to five years, not one where Walmart's saying, hey, we'll give you an iPhone for $24 just to get you in the door. Um, there, there's too much control of Apple's image being given up to companies that don't know how to brand properly. I appreciate the commentary there. I don't think I would have put it that way, but I love that you did about <laughs> slumming it. Um, there's some truth to that. Obviously, Apple is being pushed to get their cheaper phones out there so that they don't lose market share. Google's gaining market share with Android. Samsung the thing is, Rob, what do these other retailers do? All these retailers do is they, they, all they're doing is competing on price, right? And that's all they do. There, there's yep. nothing at all in the strategy of a Walmart or a Best Buy or a Target other than competition on price, which is the complete opposite of what Apple does. I don't know why they'd want to be associated with that. That's really kind of like the nutshell point. Would you say that's a Tim Cook mistake or misstep that Steve would never have done, or... Do they have to at least acknowledge shareholders with, you know, some of the cheaper third world kind of uh, cell phone co coverage? Um, I don't think it's a Tim Cook mistake. I mean, we, a lot of times we like to say, well, you know, Steve Jobs never would let that happen. Apple's been selling their products in these stores for a long time, right? And, and, and they've been doing it, you know, when Jobs was the CEO and we thought he'd be around for, for, for longer um, than, than, he, than it ended up being. Um, it, it feels like there's been more discounting. And, and more control given to these third-party retailers. 
But I don't know if you can really pin that on Cook. I think that's just a trend in overall retail. And, and what you can blame, you know, what you can say, hey, listen, Cook should, should realize this and pull Apple away from it, at least if you, if you view the situation the way that I do. But, it, yeah, I mean, I think Cook takes a lot of crap for, you know, things that we say Jobs wouldn't have done. But, you know, he was doing them. You know, it was just different circumstances and different contexts. Speaking with Rocco Pandola, columnist for thestreet.com, I think your columns are money makers in the sense that they get you to think, and you don't panic necessarily. Sometimes you do panic uh, because you bring up a good point. One of the areas that Apple's criticized for is they've got a lot of cash. Why didn't they buy Pandora? Why didn't they buy Netflix? Because they can give away the devices like Amazon's doing if they've got the content on the back end. What are your thoughts on what Apple should do as far as acquisitions going forward? I don't think they should do really anything major. I don't, I'm not on board with, uh, you know, buy Pandora, buy Netflix, or a lot of people now are saying buy Yahoo. Um, I, I don't think that's the Apple way. Um, you know, they have all of the contents, right? Like, your iPhone is, is why I laughed when, you know, when iTunes Radio came out and people said, oh, it's going to crush Pandora and Apple's out to kill Pandora. Absolutely not. That's just another feature for your iPhone. And Apple absolutely loves Pandora. Pandora was on stage, you know, with, with Apple uh, when they introduced the first iPhone because that shows you how to, you know, the intuitive way to use your iPhone. Uh, the Pandora app was perfect okay. for that. And that remains today. It's, it's like the number three grossing app in the App Store. So Apple, I think, likes these relationships. Why buy the company and take on, you know, some of the problems these companies have? And, you know, even though, you know, whatever Pandora pays for content is, is a rounding error for Apple, but still, why take on this huge infrastructure of another company when you can just have them as one of the most popular apps in your app store? So you have, you have Pandora, you have all the Yahoo apps that are getting better, and, you know, Mr. Meyer's working on them, and, you know, people are going to go on the app store. Obviously, app downloads are through the roof, and they're going to get Yahoo Weather and Yahoo Finance and Yahoo Sports. Why do you need to own the company? You know, I, I don't, I don't understand that theory. It's, 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 it's adding um, a bunch of baggage that Apple doesn't need. All Apple needs to do is, is sell uh, high-margin hardware. I mean, that's what they are. They're, they're a company that sells high-margin hardware. Uh, they're not an entertainment company. They're not a software company. They're not a content company. I mean, they need all these things to drive the hardware sales, but, but I don't see why they would change the model by saying something completely out of character. It's Rocco Pandola, communist for the street.com. I'll connect later with you today on Twitter. Thanks for joining us. Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black. Berg Market Minute. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Got a big event coming up Thursday the 16th, one week from today, probably about one week and 11 hours or something like that. The event is a wealth preservation retirement planning event, uh, especially tied towards income in retirement. Uh, we try to answer a lot of information that covers all spectrums, uh, but it is a bullet shot into income. 
why do you need a bullet shot into income? Because I think the old rules of just, you know, your age minus 100 percentage in bonds, uh, I think can get you into a lot of trouble as environments change, they ebb, they flow. Uh, so going to do a financial workshop. Uh, it's ultimately called Retirement Planning Bond Alternative Seminar, CFP, Chad Burton, and myself. Chad Burton does the 1 to 2 o'clock show here on KDOW. And it's trying to make sure that your income lasts for decades. I think that's the number one fear that I have. Uh, it's going to be at the Elks Lodge in Palo Alto one week from today from 6.30 to 9. You can sign up at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. How are you, Mr. Burton? Doing well, Rob. Doing well. And Doing one well. of the things you talked about on, that I'm going to talk about on today's show is uh, when it comes to income and retirement, I, today I'm going to go over some of the major mistakes that people made. Yesterday, and you can download the show on uh, go to newfocusfinancial.com. You can click the iTunes link, or it's on KDOW's site as well. But yesterday, I talked about bond and some of the returns from 2013, and people that didn't do anything in terms of overall allocation that stayed in their long-term government bond funds, their 401k, saw declines of anywhere from six to ten percent in those areas. We're looking at predictions of the 10-year Treasury going from three to you know probably a little over 3.5% by year end, especially after today's jobless numbers. And, you know, looking at what our parents did, we can't do that right now because bonds are at historical lows in terms of interest rates and it looks like rates are going up, which means bond funds, if you're in the wrong ones, can decline. So that's one of the reasons why we have to talk about bond alternatives. One of the questions that I have, or one of the big fears that I have, and you know my personal finance situation is, do I have enough to really create enough income till the day I die, especially if there's a hiccup here or an inflation spike there or a health scare? Um, I have fears, and I'm in the industry of setting up proper income strategies for age 60 to 100. How often do you find that, Mr. Burton? Well, that's the biggest one. I mean, especially, you know, when it comes to the long-term care costs as well, and I actually give tonight or today at the 1 o'clock show, an update on, on long-term care insurance costs. I don't sell it, but it's something that we pay very close attention to, and rates have gone up drastically in the last year. So most, a lot of people are going to be priced out of that market now. So having that alternative plan in place, if one of you, married couple, one person goes in, and all of a sudden you have an extra cost of 70 grand a year, what's your plan B if you run out of liquid assets before you're you know, out of time? Do you sell the house and move out of state? Do you do a reverse mortgage? You've got to have a written plan and kind of do some modeling to show, okay, here's what's going to happen if, if one of you goes in. But one of the big things that I'm seeing now, Rob, is, is people that are investing almost too aggressively because they've let their portfolio run and run and run without rebalancing. And equities look good, I will say that. But you've got to have that cushion for that down market, that cash. And you can be aggressive if you have the three years of cash and a plan for if the market does have one of those corrections. What exactly is a bond alternative? And we're going to talk more about this Thursday evening from 639 Palo Alto at the Elks Club. If anyone wants free tickets, I've got two sets of free tickets. They can drop me an email today, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Otherwise, it's $5 at the door or $5 if you sign up online at robblack.com. What exactly is a bond alternative, Mr. Burton? Well, let me cover two, and I did a little bit of it yesterday on the show. Um, there's bond alternatives for those that need income, you know, right now or within the next two years or in the next okay. 
few years, not two years, but few years. And in the past, uh, you know, a lot of people sell variable annuities, as an example, at banks or brokerage firms as bond alternatives, where you say, hey, you can invest in the market, no matter what happens, this insurance company, this annuity is going to guarantee income for life. Well, you can do that without traditional annuities anymore. So you can actually say, okay, I'm going to take this money that was supposed to be in bonds, I'm going to get half of it in stocks, but somebody else is going to guarantee, an insurance company is going to guarantee that you have income on that for the rest of your life, no matter how long you live, and no matter what the performance is. So that's the income requirement for those that want income in the next several years, currently or in the next several years, that's one option. There's still principal fluctuation up and down. There's another option that I covered too that's got the same income type of options, but it's more of a principal guarantee for those investors that say, hey, I've got plenty in stocks. I don't want bonds to the rising rate, and I just need to stock this money away somewhere. Um, and I don't want large surrender charges of an annuity or anything like that. So bond alternative, it means you're either looking for safety of principal or you're looking for income guarantees that are better than the current bond market right now. And a basic bond fund right now, Rob, it's shorter duration. It doesn't have a, you know as much risk as a long bond. It's only yielding about 2.9%. When our parents retired, they were getting 6%, 7% on their bonds. So it's a much different scenario right now. <laughs> I miss those days. That's like that's nostalgic, right? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I you know, I was telling a story yesterday on the show about back in '99, there was fixed annuities from insurance companies that were guaranteeing seven percent for like seven to nine years. Yeah. That's basically almost a guarantee of doubling money. Um, at the same time, though, you know, interest rates were higher, inflation was a little bit higher. So when you get the ten-year Treasury back to you know five six percent rates, that's when it's starting to compete with the stock market. Not. You know, the, the interest rate increases, the, you, the stock market could be fine until you hit that crossover point that you talk about all the time. You can listen to Chad Burton today, speak more specifically about income at newfocusfinancial.com. You can stream the show. You could also listen to it live here on KDOW from 1 to 2. Here on KDOW from 1 to 2. Um, or come meet us Thursday evening, a week from today, Palo Alto's Elks Lodge. January 16th, Thursday from 6.30 to 9. If you want a couple free tickets, drop me an email, rob at robblack.com, or just pay and sign up online. Retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, and more. Let's do a good, solid, hardcore hour. The S&P 500's down 5 today. The Dow's down 72. The NASDAQ down 19. There's a lot of expectations built into this market. Um, expectations are tough. It's, it's pretty brutal, in my opinion. In life, but especially in the stock market. Last year was glorious, and we saw a record flow of money at the end of the year last year of people going, I want glorious. I think we're going to have a good year this year, but I think we're going to get a correction along the way. 
I don't know if it's going to be in January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November. But we're going to have a correction. Correction's 10%. It's not the end of the world. Bear market's 30%. Would I be surprised to see a bear market? I would. I think we could still go higher for the year as we enter earnings season. We'll know a lot next week. Even more in three weeks. Because we see the improving jobs numbers, and that will be reflected in Friday's jobs report. I would be highly um, surprised if unemployment doesn't tick down. We've had just too many good numbers recently. To get your calls on the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. A little later today, I'm going to be sending out a newsletter. Inside this newsletter will be a recap of 2013 as far as sectors that that did well and how sectors should do well in 2014. Again, you know that I like regional banks, but what else do I like? So if you want to get a copy of this newsletter, you can go sign up for it at robblack.com. It's robblack.com, and there's a little newsletter button. If for some reason that little newsletter button doesn't send through, drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. Later this week, I'm going to be doing, next week, I'm going to be doing an event on income in retirement. I've got two sets of tickets to give away. Um, I'm going to be giving away a little later this afternoon, so I'm going to give the podcast listeners a chance to send in an email that I'll randomly pick two winners. Uh, you can drop me an email, rob at robblack.com, if you want to potentially get a free set, and or you can go to robblack.com and just sign up for the event. Uh, but my podcast listenership is pretty high. Uh, now, that's kind of interesting because where do I go with that? Uh, at one point in time on Apple iTunes, I was the 15th business show. Now, I know that I don't do a show for the masses because I tell the truth, and I'm sometimes ugly in the process. I don't sugarcoat things. I don't lie to you about how great I am. I don't say, you know, look, i got a mutual fund, and the next thing you know, the mutual fund's gone. I don't say, hey, look, go for private uh, real estate investment trusts, and the next thing you know, I'm legally out of the business. A lot of people act as both a broker as well as an advisor, and you need to be careful of those people uh, to make sure they're not getting commissions for what they do transactions on. There's a lot of dirty in my industry. Um, I think the worst is the unqualified uh, the people at Ameriprise who say they're financial advisors. And, you know, again, you can have a two-year-old child say that they're a financial advisor. There's no legal reason you can't. And that's embarrassing. I personally like the accreditation certified financial planner. So next Thursday, I'm going to be doing an event with a certified financial planner uh, in income strategy in retirement, which I don't think most people have. I see copies of your portfolios on my desk all the time. Um, and, for instance, I recently saw a man who's Let's see if I can pull up his actual email. I want to say he was 55. I know I saw it come in. Okay, no, I didn't pull it all the way through today. I use webmail while I'm at work. Um, oh, there it is. Uh, his name's John. And he's got a slightly younger wife by a few years, not a lot. So he's 59, she's 50. And if you have about 450000 in a 401k, another 400000 in non-qualified retirement plans or in IRAs. Uh, so it is a qualified retirement plan in this case. Um, 200 in a qualified retirement plan, 200 not. So that's almost a million dollars, right? But he's 59 and he wants to work another 5 to 10 years and he's got two kids who are 14. So automatically, without like he might be getting an inheritance. He might have a very small budget where he has a house paid for. But unless that's the case, I'm going to recommend that he works 10 years 
in large part because two kids, if they both go to school, you know, depending on what school they go to, colleges range now from about 15000 a year to $40,000 a year. Uh, 15000 on the low end, 40 on the high end. Um, and there's even higher, but let's just eliminate some of the low, low end and let's eliminate some of the high, high end. And I'm going to say you're going to have to work a little bit longer because those kids could eat up, you know, half, they could eat up basically, they could basically eat up 500000 potentially between their costs now until they go to school as well as college. Now, you may have plans for that or not. Um, his income's good. Her income's good, too. Um, so they make $200,000 as a household. And here they have a million dollars, and I'm like, I don't know if you could retire. I, I think you're going to want to work as long as you can and do wait to draw down as long as you can until we see a budget, until we see if you have um, any sort of wealth coming in, any sort of like, oh, by the way, my mom and dad own 10 rental properties, or oh, by the way, um, I own 10 rental properties. So sometimes snapshots aren't the easiest way to look at, but there's a case, 59 years old, I wish he was 55. 59 is just a little bit, I mean, he could be ready to retire in a year or two, and he doesn't have enough. Anyway, to get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. One of the more interesting stories today, Ford boosting their dividend. Yay! One of the more interesting stories of the day. It's about Ford. It's the WWE to launch a 24-7 streaming network. And I know I'm not going to convince you that that's an interesting story, but I assure you that is an interesting story. They're moving outside the ring. They're not doing it through cable. They're starting their own network, not through cable. They're doing it online. $9.99 a month for streaming. Six-month commitment. We'll get you all 12 pay-per-view events. So if you are willing to pay $56, $60 roughly, uh, you get all 12 pay-per-view events, plus you get 24-7 content. The network is available on desktops, laptops, uh, through Amazon's Kindle Fire, through Android devices like Galaxy, Samsung Galaxy, through the iPad. Not through Comcast, not through DirecTV. They're starting a network, a streaming network. I'm not 100% positive this is the first, and again, I'm not going to call it AAA rated, AAA content, but it's up there. As far as quality content, now again, wrestling isn't for me. WWE, brother. But it's for some people. If, I don't know. We're going into more of a uh, virtual world. One New Jersey fan is suing the NFL over Super Bowl tickets. And I get this, and I, I totally agree with this. This is crap. Josh Binkelman, he spent $4,000 on two tickets for the Super Bowl. His lawsuit says the NFL is prohibiting the companies to... Uh, basically, they're only issuing 1% of tens of thousands of Super Bowl tickets to the general public through a lottery system. The other 99% of tickets are going through private vendors that could jack up the price. And if Congress wants to do anything, make the Super Bowl about the people. Please? Or at least boost it from 1% to 5 to 10, 15, 20% in the lottery system. I think it's total crap. And the NFL is also talking about expanding the playoffs. Did you see that story? And I think that's going to happen. You know why? Money. Money, money talks really, really well. They can't extend the season yet but they could extend the playoffs to more teams. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516, and I think that happens next year. 
800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Don't forget, i got the big income event coming up next Thursday. You can sign up at robblack.com for Palo Alto newsletter, as well as a couple free tickets if you want to try to win. Rob at robblack.com. A market Minute. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Going to be sending out a newsletter to my newsletter subscribers. It's free. It's a little bit of a market recap, a little bit of a sector idea, and typically a stock idea as well. Uh, you can sign up for it. It's free at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Uh, also going to be doing an event one week from today in Palo Alto. It's going to be an event on income and retirement. It's probably the number one scariest thing for most people. We know how to accumulate wealth, but do we know how to manage it, and do we know how to make it last till the day we die? To get your calls in the area, it's 800-516-1220. To sign up for that event, you can go to robblack.com. It's next Thursday, Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge from 6.30 to 9. I've got two free tickets that I'm giving out later today. If you want to sign up for a chance to win, drop an email, rob at robblack.com. I'm going to wait till about noon to pick a winner because a lot of the listeners of the show are on iTunes and through the streaming kdow.biz. Let's go to a caller. Let's go to Warren in Cupertino. Warren, how are you? Hi. Uh, good, Rob. Uh, long-time listener, second-time caller. Um, I, I've owned this equity uh, eBay for uh, about a year and a half now. And it just trades, it has this, you know, channel between about 50 and 55, but, you know, I have some some good gains in it, but, um, you know, it's just kind of confounding how it trades, and it's, uh, you know, it seems like they have a lot of good news on it. The, the CEO misspeaks from time to time, but but uh, I want to get your opinion on where you think it's going and how what your feelings are on it. Um, it's a little expensive in the short term, so... I'm not a big fan of using phrases like it trades in a channel. Uh-huh. I think that's that's trader talk, and I don't think it's true. I think in the end, stocks trade based on earnings. If their earnings were higher, the stock would be higher. Um, that's my opinion. And again, I don't think there's any way around that in the long term. Uh, what's your goal for the company? It's trading at 16 times next year's earnings, which basically makes it more expensive than the S&P 500. So it's a little bit riskier than the average S&P 500 stock. Yeah, I, I like the sector it's in. Um, I just noticed, you know, that it kind of just seems to stay in this. I, I, and I don't like to use that term either, channel, but it, it just seems to stay in that, that uh, you know, somewhere 49 to 55 range, you know. But uh, I was hoping it would break out. You know, it seems like they, you know, they have a lot of, you know, uh, good things going on. You know, it seems like Amazon gets all the love and eBay is just kind of the, the stepchild. Yeah, there's um, an analyst out there, Morgan Stanley, who is less than thrilled with what he's seeing out of eBay as far as shipping options. They're a poor man's Amazon, and Amazon is, you know, continuing to come up with product like Kindle that eBay's not. Amazon or eBay's best place in in my in the conversation is that they've got PayPal. Um, and this is going to be a big year for um, mobile payments. 
I don't know if PayPal is well positioned in that or not. I know that you can use PayPal at Home Depot. I know some of the numbers look pretty good, all things considered. Um, there's a big short seller. If you want to learn a little bit more about why not to like eBay, you know the reasons to like it, but David Einhorn is short eBay. If you were to Google David Einhorn, you'd see a little bit more. Um, it's... I, I don't know if I'd be aggressively squeezing the stock or aggressively trying to think it's going to go crashing down. Um, Amazon, to me, I trust Amazon with my, my transactions, and I don't really trust PayPal. Like, I get an email every other day from PayPal. I'm like, ah, eh, another email. And I have a friend who tried to close a PayPal account because it got hacked and spent two to three hours on the phone with PayPal just trying to close the account forever and ever. Um, Amazon sales rose 40% year over year for the holidays, eBay 21%. Again, that's not, you know, it's okay being second if you're pretty. Um, and they've got enough, but they are expensive. Um, I would look for a, a potential way to get out of the stock on strength. Um, but technically the stock's been acting weaker, and a lot of people think that's ahead of bad news. Um, so I'd, I'd Google as much bad news as you can to make sure that you can withstand a bad quarter. Um, and as you mentioned, John Donahoe, um, it's good, but there's a lot of competition in mobile payments this year. A lot of competition. This is going to be a big year for mobile. Yeah. I wish I had more for you. There's, um, you know, I could send you a Barron's article if you want to drop me an email. Sure. I don't know if you saw that. Um, and it's a reprint from Barron's uh, from mid-December. But I think it gives a pretty good angle on Facebook versus Amazon versus Twitter. Um, and maybe you'll you know get what you need out of that. So thanks for the call. 800-516-1220. You can drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. Sometimes I don't have the full-fledged answer. Um, to me, and this is what I would say if I could, you know, Warren, what are you doing owning this stock? This is so, so, so 1990s. And that's not fair to Warren. That's not fair to the company on a lot of levels, you know. Um because at one point in time they were left for dead and the stock roared back off of that um, and all you need to do is go look at a chart from two years ago when this was a teenage stock and now it's a $52 stock you know maybe it's consolidating some of those gains I, fundamentally I don't have a good feel for it um, I don't follow it on a quarter to quarter basis anymore um, I know that a lot of people think that the best thing that they have right now is PayPal when it comes to buying stuff Amazon sometimes will piss off merchants, and you'll hear a little bit more like, hey, eBay's got a better merchant relationship. Um, is there room for two? Sure. I don't think eBay has the depth of resources, the warehouses, the, you know, maybe eBay gets acquired because they are, you know, long-term online players. And somebody like a Macy's, maybe some sort of conglomerate of... Uh, department store says, you know, hey, we got the department stores. We could be your warehouses uh, if you want to sell our goods. I don't know. Uh, the whole online auction thing, I don't think anyone even cares about anymore. But maybe a couple people here and there. So, uh, wish I had more on that. I don't. So, I think I said it best when I said, uh, you know, sales at holiday time, Amazon basically doubled eBay. So 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. I think one of the more important things to always be focusing in on is how's the market doing? Why is it doing it? What's it doing on a quarter-to-quarter basis, year-over-year basis? 
Strength today is seen in financials, healthcare, and industrials. Weakness is seen in consumer discretionary, energy, telco, and utilities. Bed, bath, and beyond, and family dollar, disappointing. Retail is stinking it up the joint. Just bad. Um, select retail, like electronics, is doing fine. Home, like Home Depot and Lowe's, doing fine. But then you start finding problems. You start finding cracks in retail. Luxury seems to do very well. But a lot of people are holding on to their dollars. And it's what's more interesting about it is they're certainly not going to fast food with it. They are just not at the levels that they used to. Um, Apple's a little bit weaker today. Biotech's a big winner today. What was the big biotech story today? Oh, Forest Labs. It picked uh, up a company that's tied towards treatments for gastrointestinal ailments and cystic fibrosis. Um, so Forest rose most in at least 34 years. Up huge day with an acquisition. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. Want a copy of the newsletter that I'm sending out today? Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com, or sign up at robblack.com. Big event coming up this weekend in Palo Alto. Not this weekend. Next Thursday in Palo Alto. Learn more at robblack.com. AM 1220. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. And iHeart Radio Station. One area that I think it's getting more and more difficult to operate it in is being in the public. Chris Christie's getting grilled today and yesterday, embarrassed and humiliated, based on the decision that someone made to close lands on George Washington Bridge. He says he's apologized to people in New Jersey. He's embarrassed, humiliated by the conduct of some of the people on his team. Seemed to be some sort of retaliation against the mayor of uh, Fort Lee, which is a town on the other side of the bridge, which is where CBC is based out of. And it snarled traffic for four days. Politicians, I mean, we grew up in a world where, you know, the aid of a congressman is always the killer in some sort of spy movie. It looks like the congressman did it, but no, it's his aide that did it because he loves them. Um, I wouldn't want to be a public figure like that, not on the political level. Um, I don't know who's right, who's wrong. I'm not even close to all the material facts, nor do I really want to get too close to them. But we live in a pretty tough age. Um, I don't have a very strong personal account on Facebook. I basically have a Facebook account on uh, Facebook that's tied towards you know promotion of, of what I do and where I'm at. Um, I interact, I take questions and things along those lines, but we are already public enough in this industry. I don't know if we want to be even more public. Uh, Just my angle on that. Uh, Big retirement planning and bond alternative seminar coming up Thursday, the 16th, 6.30 to 9. You'll learn something. It's $5 that basically keeps up the truly crazy people. I'm going to be giving away two sets of tickets today. Um, if you want to drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. I'll let you know if you won by noon today. Uh, but I kind of want to wait for some of the podcast listeners to get their chance to get in on the action as well. So Chris Christie's press conference, brutal. Um, again, I'm kind of glad that I'm not in that industry, if you know what I'm saying. Um, one area that's pretty interesting is Bitcoin. And we get a lot of questions in financial media of whether or not you should buy it or not. What are our thoughts on it? Um, I've had family members, you know, ask, should I jump in on this at this point in time? 
I think Bitcoin, in my opinion, is very much so a dream. So the Bitcoin mining arms race, there's an article at Bloomberg Business Week. So if you go to businessweek.com, that discusses it. Why are so many people crazy about a currency invented by a phantom? And what's fantastic about the cover of Business Week this week is it's gold falling from the sky in a tropical, lush paradise that looks something like out of Avatar with a unicorn. Uh, it's pretty fantastic. Who doesn't like unicorns? With that said, if you want to do it, do it. I'm not going to be the person to stop you from going after your dreams of making tons of money in a fantasy currency. A lot of people think Bitcoin's going to crash this year, hardcore. Um, I'm not a betting man. You know, the only thing that I'll bet on is single-hand blackjack, and I'm just playing statistics. Um, I would be very, very cautious on a currency that was made up, that no army is protecting it. That can be hacked. No, maybe it can, maybe it can't. That can be mined illegally. That basically every transaction done to date has been done um, to hide the trail of paper. Is it fascinating to think about? Absolutely. Are you going to end up doing well with it? I'd be very cautious. Um, Should you invest in Bitcoin? Bitcoin has been the currency of choice of international drug dealers and smugglers. Could it go legit? Is the question. Um, It's a currency that uses computer networks to facilitate trading, to establish value. That spooks me a little bit. China has banned it. Bitcoin has been used mostly for, you know, again, purchasing illegal things. There was a shutdown website called Silk Road. Some say the idea of a global currency that transcends the borders of nations uh, makes sense. Gold has been that international currency for, you know, 2,000 plus years. Some countries with currencies that are constantly being debased, uh, like the U.S. dollar, like Japan's uh, it's a potential store of value. It's a hard asset. If you want a hard asset, it's called a commodity. Go buy a bushel of corn. Go buy a barrel of oil. Go buy a pound of silver. Bitcoin is a hard asset in a similar level. Uh, Overstock.com said they're going to start accepting Bitcoin in 2014. I think that's a publicity stunt. I don't think anyone cares about Overstock.com. I think back in the late 1990s when any IPO that came public you know, made the founders hundreds of millions of dollars, people cared. And I think they're still trying to stay relevant, and I don't get it. You know, one Bitcoin economist said in the United States that it's going to go to about $110. You know, it goes to $1,100. Mainstream currencies are volatile, you know, for people to mess around with. I don't recommend the average person go after uh, 4x foreign exchange whether you're buying the euro or you know the yuan or the dollar or the australian dollar i don't recommend you do it you know here's a question for you would you take your whole last year's salary in bitcoin or would you take this year's salary at the end of the year in bitcoin i want it and that basically tells me not to invest in it or not to play with it 
Could I be missing a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity? Absolutely. And this brings me up to a song. We had a once-in-a-lifetime... Until I met another woman. Really dreadful. But it just If ever you're in my arms again, this time it'll last forever. You actually sing like a, like a train going off the rails. Um, there's always another train, so this is not a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. When I was 16 and then I lost Rachel Hebert, I thought I was going to die. I thought the one love of my life had come and gone, and I moved away from her, and it was over. Well, that's until I met Carol. And I thought that was going to be the one, and that's until I met Juliet. And that's until I met... Uh, anyway, I think you get what I'm trying to say there. So there's always another train coming. Jobless claims fell today as the labor market continues to firm up. That's good news. That's good enough to say good enough on. Like, we can go with that today. Um, I do have one more thing that I really want to talk about today. I think this is pretty apparent to me. You're terrible at investing. I know you're saying, thanks, Rob. Thanks for rubbing it in. I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in history tells me that. Historically, publicly traded real estate investment trusts have averaged 10.9% in the last 20 years. I like publicly traded REITs. I hate private REITs, and I hate people that push private REITs. They're bad, bad, bad. They're not needed. Most of them end poorly, and you lose along the way. Finner calls it a risky asset class, not a, a suit of, uh, not appropriate for most investors unless you're accredited and can take super amounts of venture risk. Okay, so in the last 20 years, REITs have averaged 10.9%. Oil has averaged 8.6%. SP 500, 7.8% plus dividends. So that's almost 10%. Gold, 7.6%. Bonds, 6.5%. Inflation, 2.5%. In the last 20 years, homes in the United States have averaged 2.5% growth. The average investor overall from investing has averaged 2.1%. So one thing that I know is that you should be static with accumulating assets like REITs, oil, S&P 500. Stunning that bonds have averaged 6.5% in the last 20 years, considering the last 10 years have been miserable. Annualized returns of various asset classes over the last 20 years, which also includes inflation. You know, the individual investor is making less than inflation. The individual investor tends to make the mistake of moving in and out of the market, losing four times because of that. So $1 could have been $4 during that period of time, but nope. Amidst difficult times, emotional instincts often drive investors to take actions that make no rational sense. I've got a guy right now who, um, I want to say late 20s, got me an email, 28, he makes a good salary. And he wants to buy bonds because he thinks there's going to be this big event this year that favors bonds and then wrecks the stock market. I'm like, dude, you've got 30 years. Historically, stocks beat bonds. Historically, bonds beat real estate. And yet, people want to take the other side of the trade. Go for it. I'm going with history. Um, Red Lobster and Olive Garden, I'm staying away from since 2010, fast casual dining shares um, 
you see a big difference between fast casual and uh, quality service. Companies like Chipotle and Five Guys, they're killing the lower end of the service dining industry. The dining industry where they have a waiter that comes to your table is struggling. The Red Lobsters and Olive Gardens are getting crushed by the Chipotles and the Five Guys. That's a pretty big trend. Superior food for the money, not service. People don't want the service because you've got to tip the service. But also they don't want the service because they don't need the service. Pizza and wings are faring a lot better than steakhouses and Italian restaurants, especially on the low end of quality service. Each calls on the air. It's Rob Black, or 800-516-1220. Don't forget, i get a big event coming up on Thursday, next Thursday, the 16th, in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. It's on income and retirement. Sign up at robblack.com. Some guarantees that are better than the current bond market right now. And a basic bond fund right now, Rob, it's shorter duration. It doesn't have a, you know as much risk as a long bond. It's only yielding about 2.9%. When our parents retired, they were getting 6 7% on their bonds. So it's a much different scenario right now. <laughs> I miss those days. That's like, that's nostalgic, right? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I was telling a story yesterday on the show about back in 99, there was fixed annuities from insurance companies that were guaranteeing 7% for like 7 to 9 years. Yeah. That's basically almost a guarantee of doubling money. Um, at the same time, though, you know, interest rates were higher, inflation was a little bit higher. So when you get the 10-year Treasury back to, you know, 5 6% rates, that's when it's starting to compete with the stock market. Not, you know, the, the interest rate increases, the, you, the stock market can be fine until you hit that crossover point that you talk about all the time. You can listen to Chad Burton today speak more specifically about income at newfocusfinancial.com. You can stream the show. You can also listen to it live here on KDOW from 1 to 2. Here on KDOW from 1 to 2. Uh, or come meet us Thursday evening, a week from today, Palo Alto's Elks Lodge. It's January 16th, Thursday from 6.30 to 9. If you want a couple free tickets, drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. Or just pay and sign up online. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. There are many sounds in your day-to-day life. There are sounds that wake you up. Sounds that make you smile. Sounds that energize you. And sounds that help you relax. But there are some sounds that can alert you to danger and can help save lives. Wireless emergency alerts, now on many mobile devices, use a unique sound and vibration to bring you information about severe weather events, amber alerts, or other emergencies in your area. With critical information from local sources you know and trust, you can be in the know, wherever you are. For more information, visit ready.gov alerts. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. A division of Salem Communications on the NASDAQ at SALM. I'm Chris Mauer, CNBC Business Radio. Stocks are in the red as good. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.